the name of this talk is power will come upon you. I think so many people feel powerless right now, really powerless. You've got COVID, you've got riots, you've got you know, elections, you've got so many things happening. This is not a moment for us to be powerless. This is a moment for us to be the most powerful. We are the most powerful. We are the most powerful people in the situation. And I want to show this to you over and over and over again through scripture. As I started, so I, all I got was the word power, right? When I asked the Lord what I was supposed to teach on. And the more I studied, the more excited I got. I was so excited as I studied. Um, I just want to show you Luke. This is how the whole story began. This is how our faith began. The angel replied, he's talking to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It started with the power of the Holy Spirit. From the beginning, power came on Mary. And you know what's interesting? It didn't come on Joseph. The angel did not show up to Joseph and said, the power of the Holy Spirit is coming on you. Here's the thing. I love, I do women's ministries. I love women. I have such a heart for women. The woman is the heart. I, can, I have baptized many people in my, in my uh, pool in the back. Uh, I think like 35, 36. I can't tell you how many of those people were husbands and children of the woman that I brought to Christ because you get the woman. Now, here's the thing. From, from the beginning of time, Satan has tried to make women seem irrelevant, less powerful, less important in our role, in our specific role. But here's the thing. He knows how important women are because who did he go for? Eve. Right? He knew if he could get Eve, he had the family. It's true. It is true from the beginning of time. Power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, if, you get the, if, if we, just in this room, rise up in power, our community will be different. Our household will be different. Uh, many of you don't know my testimony, but I got uh, endowed with power of the Holy Spirit, and my husband thought I had gone crazy. Um, and for three years, he was like totally not on board. Let me tell you something. My husband, my daughter, my household, all my friends, the world around me has changed. If you get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, if you are walking in power, there is no way just you will be affected. It affects everybody. If you have to be patient, you have to let the Lord work through you. But power is our message. So here we have the beginning of Luke, right? Starts with power. Show you the next scripture. It says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking right before he goes to heaven. Just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. Even in this moment, I pray the Holy Spirit is coming and filling you with power. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, because anytime you have an encounter with power, there's joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. The last words he said to his people is, power's coming. He never meant for us to be overwhelmed by life. He never meant for us to feel powerless anytime we feel overwhelmed with life. Anytime we feel powerless against the circumstances, I promise you, it is not God's voice. That is not the voice of God. His is the voice of power to us. It starts with power. It starts with power. It ends with power. So this is the beginning of Luke, the first chapter of Luke, the end of Luke. So the beginning and end of Luke, the whole story of Jesus, it starts with power and it ends with power. We have a new start, Acts. Acts of the Apostles, you know, that's the official title of that, and I love that because it's the story of the Apostles, the story of how this started. And this, the beginning, how does, how does the beginning of the church start? 
a story about power. Here we go again. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it's the same thing. Jesus is saying you will be witnesses. The beginning of the church, because the church began in Acts, right? The beginning of the church is power. There is no denying that power is a story. It's the beginning. It's the middle. It's the end. And then we have a fresh beginning in Acts, and it starts again with power. The story is power over and over again. I want to show you guys what's in heaven. We get a glimpse of heaven. And when we look at what's in heaven, guess what we see? We see power. You see again, and I think this is so powerful. All the angels are standing around the throne, around 24 elders and four living creatures, and they fell to their faces before the throne, worshiping God, saying, blessing, glory, majesty, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. How do they describe God? Power and might. That's who our God is. That's the God who's present in this room right now. That's the God who's present in us. That's the God who we have devoted our lives to power and might in a time when people can feel powerless there's not one second that we're powerless and we see the description over and over and over again about god being powerful here's the thing though i I feel like we um as women and as christians give our power away i mean why aren't we powerful we should be why aren't we why aren't we as women powerful as we were intended to be we give it away. And I, I wanted to uh, pull up some different ways that we give it away. And this one is, Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. How do we give it away? We don't know the scriptures and we also don't understand the power of God. We really don't get the power of God in our lives. The other one, Isaiah 5.13 says, my people will die for lack of knowledge. The other thing is people just don't even understand the power of God. People don't even understand how the power of the Holy Spirit operates through us. It's lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge of the scripture, lack of knowledge of the power of God, uh, it, that we don't live the powerful lives God created us to live. Um, so I want to talk about some of the ways that we do this. And the first way I want to talk about is that we can focus on the darkness instead of the light. And as soon as we start focusing on the darkness instead of the light, our power just, it's like opening up a plug, you know, and the water just drains out. I'm going to show you in scripture how this is true. It says, we also, this is the Apostle Paul saying, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. What's the first thing the Apostle Paul prays for? That they will be strengthened with power. For us to understand how important it is, if we're going to live a successful life in Christ, the power. And the Apostle Paul understood this, so this is what he's praying for his people. It says, he has enabled you to share in an inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. See, here's the thing. We don't belong to the kingdom of darkness anymore. But when we watch the news, when we see the world around us, we forget that's, we don't belong to that kingdom. We're in a completely different kingdom. We are in a kingdom of light that has absolutely been filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have been removed from the kingdom of darkness. You know, I hear a lot that people say, well, I just don't watch the news, which I'm not into watching it hour on hour, but I don't see how being uninformed is courageous. I don't see how being uninformed shows that you're, you're filled with faith or that you are strong in the Lord. I don't see how that really proves our faith is strong. So it's, it almost seems like we're sticking our head in the sand, not really women of faith and courage. Like I said, I don't watch the news hour on hour, but I stay informed because I don't see how that, I don't see how locking ourselves away shows the world that we're fearless and that we're people of light. 
We are people of light, but we have to realize every minute. We walk into a dark situation, we're the light in the room. We don't, feel, we don't fear the darkness around us. We bring the light to the situation. Um, I'm going to show you another scripture about light, and it is, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope. See, part of this is having confidence in the hope of the power of God. We hear a lot about having confidence in ourselves. I do not ascribe to that. God forbid I do not have any confidence in myself. I know who I am. I mean, people who feel like they need to have confidence in themselves, I feel like that's a thinking shit. I mean, who are we? We're just dust. We're fallible humans. That's too much pressure. I don't even want that pressure on myself. But I have so much confidence in God and the light that's in me because of him. My confidence is in his power. It says he has given to those he has called. It's the, the, the understanding the confident hope he has given to those called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. The greatness of God's power for us. He's saying, uh, the Apostle Paul is praying. He's like, I am praying you can understand. And that is my prayer right now today as we're in this room. God, please, God, help us understand. The greatness of the power of God available to us, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor as right hand in heavenly realms. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is right here in us, right this minute, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of riots, in the middle of elections, in the middle of all kinds of things that make us feel powerless. If you feel, see, feelings lie. Feelings are not truth. So if you feel powerless, you tell, like the Apostle Paul said, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. You don't give into those feelings. I can't tell you how many times I start to feel like I'm wilting. And then I say to myself, uh-uh, that's not truth. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what Jesus says? No, the Lord has told me the power I have in him is so extreme. It is the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. You want to talk about every demon in hell working against Jesus to keep him from resurrecting from the dead. I mean, you know every demon in hell was put on the assignment to not let him be resurrected from the dead, but nothing could stop him. Nothing can stop the power of God in us. And, you know, when we truly believe it, we feel great. Your feelings fall in line with the power of God that you feel that you know in your mind. Your feelings will fall in line. If we really believe it, we can be like David and literally run at the Goliath. We literally are people who can run at things. We run at it. We're the first responders. We are supposed to be the first responders of society. We are supposed to run towards it. We are, suppo- we are not supposed to be shrinking back, locking ourselves behind. We are supposed to run towards it like David did with Goliath. He was the only person who had the faith to defeat. You see what's happening in our society. We see it. We're heartbroken by it. I, there's not, I don't know anybody who's not heartbroken with what they see in society. It doesn't matter where you stand on any issue, this isn't good, right? This isn't good. We see this, but we are the first responders. And ladies, we are the first responders. I'm telling you, you are the first responders. You're the one who's going to say it to your husband and your children. Because just like Adam, your husbands will listen to you. They do. They, they might seem like they're not. But the Bible says not a word returns void. And your children will follow your example. If you're fearful, they're going to follow into that. If you're full of faith and confidence in the power of God and you pour that into them, 
that's what they're going to believe. We change society. We do. We're the heart of society. We are. We are the heart of society. We change it. It follows us. It follows us. But, you know, sometimes, some people have a natural personality. They run towards things, right? Uh, which is good sometimes, and sometimes it's bad, right? So, I mean, I have to be the person who has to rein myself in. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, well, Stephanie, that's just your personality, which is true. That is my personality. And they say, I'm not. And then they give me a list of things they're not. And I'm going to tell you that the I'm not syndrome, which is what I named it, is the biggest destroyer of power. You want to sabotage your power, sit down and talk about what I'm not. Talk to yourself about it. Talk to other people about it. Talk to God about it. Talk about what you're not. And you will destroy your power like that. You're going to give it away. Just give it away because you won't have any. You will not have any. The second you focus on what you're not, your power is gone. And I want to show you something. God wants people who understand that they're not, but yet operate in his power anyway. He wants people who understand, I'm not, and you can come up with a thousand things you're not, and then they operate in the power of God anyway. And I'm going to show you the scripture. For Christ sent me to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for the fear of the cross of Christ would lose its power. Let me just stop right there. Do you realize that clever speech nullifies the power of God? Just, just take a minute and look at this. Do you realize he was saying, I'm not going to come to you in my own ability, which the Apostle Paul had a lot of ability. We all know that, right? He was a Sadducee. He came from a prestigious family, blah, 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 blah. He said, I'm not going to come to any of you with any of that because if I do, if I come to you with what I have to offer, the second you say I am or I'm not, if I come to you with that, it'll nullify the power. See, if you had it, I'm not. I'm not young. I'm not old. I'm not rich. I'm not famous. I'm not, I'm not influential. I'm not educated. I'm not anything. If you come, let's say you were to come with what, let's say you were to come with what you were. I'm educated. You come with your education, you've nullified the power of God. The apostle Paul understood what nullified the power of God, and it's what we are, right? So he said, I'm not going to come to you with what I have, because if I do, I'll nullify the power. I'm only going to come to you with the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Power of God is the blood of Jesus. He says, we know where the power comes from, and it's not from what I have to offer. And the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, discarding the intellect of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw fit to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Do you see this really important thing about the way we perceive ourselves? Believe it or not, that's all about how we perceive ourselves. Because that's saying the things that you think are important to influence other people, the things that you think that maybe you have that you need to have in order to influence other people, he's saying, no, God's saying, I'll never use those things. That's not how I operate. I operate through those who allow the power of the Holy Spirit to operate through them. It says, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs in heaven, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. It's foolish to everybody. Everybody who's trying to use worldly ways, wisdom, any of those things, that's nullifies the power of God. God will not operate that way. He says it's foolishness to those people. And it says even here, the Jews are offended. 
And the Gentiles say it's nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jew and Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, this is the important part, remember that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy or educated or young or old or fill in whatever, or divorced or never married or married or married several times or had a bunch of kids or had no kids or whatever it is, whatever lie that Satan is trying to tell you. He says, remember, remember. It says, instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those things, those who think they're wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. See, Christ, it's all Christ. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure. He made us holy. And he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast about the Lord. When we say, I'm not, I can't be powerful for God. I can't change. I can't change what's happening around me. I can't change my family. I can't change my circumstance. I can't change. I can't change. I can't change. When we do that, or there's, there's the other flip side of the coin. There's people who come in very arrogantly saying, I should be because I am, and they give their resume, right, to God. Here's all the things I am. There's a flip side, right? There's, there's, two, there's two ditches. I say almost every sermon, the devil's in the ditches. The devil's always in the ditches. So there's two extremes, right? But, but what I can tell you is whichever extreme is narcissism, 100% self-focused. When you sit around and say, I'm not, your focus is on you. Where, where's God in that equation? It's not even, a, it's not, it's never about you. He created you the way you are so that you would know it's about him and that there will be power to anyone, no matter how foolish or rich or poor or influential or not, or fill in the blank. There is power that he will give you because he says it all over scripture. I'm going to give you a bunch of other scriptures to continue to prove it. There is power that he will give you. But if your eyes are on yourself, you guys remember that when Peter got out of the boat, right, in the wind and the waves, he's having a miracle. And the second he took his eyes off Jesus, he sank. The miracle stopped. The second we focus on what we're not, what, what, what darkness is, what's happening in the world, what he's doing, what she's doing, what he's saying, what she's saying, what they think. Let me tell you, if you focus on that, you've given your power to that thing. What are you going to hand your power to? Because God is giving you an unending amount of power. And the Apostle Paul, in, in all these different scriptures, is saying, I just pray that you can understand how much power is available to you. I'm just praying you can understand the power that's available to you. The next scripture, again, the Apostle Paul, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speech, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Look, we need the power. And the Apostle Paul was saying, I know not to trust in myself. I know that the Holy Spirit has to show up. The next one says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Wait a second. You guys really think about that for a second. My power works best in weakness. 
See, we think that we're supposed to come in, enter into the situation with the answers, the solution, the power, but he is saying that the way God works is the opposite. He's like, no, my power works best when you understand your weakness. Understand how my power works. You feel weak? He says, perfect. This is when I can do my best work. You are hopeless in a situation. You are hopeless. There's no hope. There's no way to solve this thing. There's no solution. There's no answer. Perfect. This is where my power works the very best, but you're going to have to believe it. He says, for when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave full assurance that what we said was true. This is, this is my thing, ladies. I feel like we do too many words and not enough power. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge can be a very dangerous thing if we don't back it up with power. Too many words, not enough power. We can talk till we're blue in the face, but what are we changing? What are we changing in ourselves? What are we changing around us? And, and by the way, we can't change ourselves, but I'm going to get into that. We sabotage power when we self-focus. Now, one of the self-focused ways that we self-focus, we focus on our sin. And there's two different things I want to say about sin, okay? This is a word we never, ever hear anymore. Like sin disappeared in the thin air. I don't know. We never hear the word sin. Sin is real. And I don't know why we stopped talking about it, but it robs us of power. You know, the second we live in a pattern of something, the, the reason that he tells us not to live in it is because it destroys us, it destroys others, and it robs us of power. This scripture here, uh, Micah, but as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord. I am filled with justice and strength to boldly declare sin and rebellion. There is power in calling something what it is. We have stopped calling truth. We have stopped speaking truth. I'm going to tell you, truth is power. The Bible says that it is truth that sets us free, that we are in bondage the second we don't live in truth. So I don't know why it's so hard for us to call something wrong that God calls wrong, but he says here that he has power because he declares sin. I'm going to show you the next one, and it says, your prophets have said so many foolish things. By the way, prophets are the same as preachers now. Prophet then is the same as a preacher now. So it says your preachers have said so many foolish things, false to the core. They do not save you from exile. And by the way, exile represents losing the power of God, losing the blessing of God. It says it doesn't save you from losing the power, losing the blessing of God by pointing out your sins. Instead, they paint false pictures, filling you with false hope. Let me tell you something. A preacher who tells you that it doesn't matter, a preacher who says that, that our behavior doesn't matter before God, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And I'm going to tell you something, you're not going to find power there. You're not going to find lives set free. You're not. We have to understand. The, the Word of God is a whole book. And yeah, you can't take pieces. This is so important. So right now, we're watching the church not make any impact on our society, on our community. I mean, really, we are the light of the world. But I, I think that we've lost, we've given away some power in some of these areas. This one says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not about talk. We are doing too much sitting around, wringing our hands, talking about how bad it is, talking about how bad the world is. The world, the world's so bad. You know, I mean, yeah, the world's bad. That's right. I mean, it has always been bad. We are the light of the world. We are the ones to change it. You know, we are the ones that make a difference. So, yes, it is, but we have the power to make a change. 
We have the power to make the change. And we have to believe it. The problem is we have a philosophy that says come as you are, which is right. We do come as we are. Thank God. Thank God. If you knew who I was when the power of the Holy Spirit hit me, oh, I thank God every day it's come as you are. I wasn't cleaned up. I wasn't right with God. I was a mess, and I had made a mess, and I was, I was a bad person, totally. So I came as I was. But the problem is the church is saying, come as you are and stay as you are. No, we do not stay as we are. He transforms us. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. So we come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. He loves us too much. That's a mess. That's pain. That's consequence. That's it's, it's sadness. It's, he lifts us out of all of that. So we come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. God expects change. And that's the power, the very first power we get when we come to Christ. The very first power he gives us is the power to change. That's the greatest gift he gives us. It says here, Romans 12:2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We want the pleasing, perfect, good will of God. Don't we want that so desperately? We want that so desperately. We want that. But it requires being transformed. See, there's a change that happens. That's how we get that. And God does it. The Holy Spirit does it. We don't do it alone. I am so thankful. You know, I remember as I came into the power of the Holy Spirit, and I was just like, I don't know what to do about the mess of my life. It's impossible for me to change it. I, at the time, I literally had self-help books piled like this high all around my bed. I mean, I had stacks and stacks and stacks of self-help books. He already knows we can't help ourselves. You can read those till you're blue in the face. And there might be some good tips in there, but you can't get out of that thing. You can't, you can't get yourself out. He didn't create us to get ourselves out of stuff. He did not create us that way. He didn't create us. He, he created us to have a successful, positive life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what he created us to live. And if we will allow him to transform us, then we will enjoy that. And I'm living proof of that. You know, he wants us to live happy, vibrant lives. And he told this to his disciples. He said, the Father is sending a great helper. The Father is sending a great helper, the Holy Spirit, in my name to teach you everything and to remind you of all I have said to you. He's like, I know you can't do it. I'm sending you a great helper that will give you the power to change. He will give you the power to change. You don't have to do it yourself. You can't do it yourself. I don't expect you to do it yourself, he says. When he was giving this, when he was saying this, there was a really important person, he was saying this to his disciples, but one of the people he was saying it to was Peter. Peter sat there listening to Jesus saying that. Thank God for Peter. I'm so grateful for Peter. Peter gives me hope every day. I love this. I love this man. I love this personality. I cannot wait to meet him in heaven. He's a big, big personality. He, like me, is a run at it type of guy. And he, he screwed up a lot, right? We know him as a bragger, a boaster, a coward. We know that he would sink into despair. He would repent and recover. And he would help lead the greatest beginning in history. He would become the rock upon which the church was built, right? That's who Peter is. But what we know is that Jesus said to Peter right before he dies, we all know this scripture, but it says, Simon, Simon, it's Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. I love that. 
I pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. This is a really rich scripture. You know, what we know of the story is that Peter did fail Jesus horribly in the worst moment of Jesus's entire life, in the worst moment of history. I mean, there's never going to be a worse moment in history than murdering and torturing the perfect son of God. So the worst moment in history, Peter failed his best friend. He failed his savior. We all know this. He betrayed him. He was a coward. He did all these things. Um, But we know from Luke 22 is that Peter went out and wept bitterly after denying Christ. We know he fully repented. And what Peter learned, and isn't that interesting? The scripture says, after you have repented. See, what, what Jesus knew was that Peter would fail. And he's like, your failure, your failure will not disqualify you for this. See, we think our failures disqualify us. We give our failures too much power. His failure didn't disqualify him. Failure doesn't disqualify us. But where we get into trouble is when it is repentance. See, he said, but when you've repented, there is a way back to power. And that was through repentance. That was through making right what he had done wrong. Repentance is power. Repentance is power. It means that I'm going to give a definition of repentance because we don't talk about that much very often either. It means changing from a physical, natural, or selfish perspective to embrace a spiritual frame of mind, to exchange our opinion about something for God's opinion. Repentance is where the power lies. It means thinking like Jesus thought. What we see is because of Peter's repentance, it was his turning point. Repentance is a, is a changing point of your entire life. Repentance is really the best day of your life. It means you're going in a direction that is hurtful and harmful to you, the kingdom of God, the people around you, and you turn from it, and it is the beginning. It's the start of the power. You know, Peter goes from being an underperforming Christian. I think we have a lot of underperforming Christians. Think about it. Peter was a very underperforming Christian. I mean, there's nobody else. Of course, okay, so he gets out of the boat. I already talked about that. He sinks, right? No other disciple did Jesus say, call Satan. Can you imagine Jesus calling you Satan? Get behind me, Satan. I mean, you talk about an underperforming Christian. Like, he failed a lot, right? He failed a lot. But God chose Peter to be the rock upon which the church was built. Why? Because God wanted to give us hope. God wanted us to understand how this thing works. This thing doesn't work through always getting it right. It works through repenting because what does that scripture say? After you have repented and turned to me again, then go out and strengthen your brother. Then go out and become the rock upon which the church is built. Peter was changed. He was never again an underperforming Christian. After his repentance, he was never that guy again. He was never that guy again. It's, a, it's extraordinary. The power is up because the power was available to him. He had a powerful transformation. He went from that proud and cowardly friend of Christ to becoming the cornerstone that Christ could build the entire Christian world upon. That's extraordinary. But what happened was, in the interim, was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because every time we see power, we see the Holy Spirit involved. From Mary, from the very first time on, every single time you see power mentioned, you see the Holy Spirit mentioned. And so here we have the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The Holy Spirit comes with them feeling the physical power, the whole house shake. The rushing wind goes from being outside to inside. 
and they appeared tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed among them, and they rested on each of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled, that is, diffused through their being with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak out. And immediately after that, Peter goes out and brings 3,000 people to Christ. We all know he was a coward like last week, right? There's very little time in between. Like a week ago, he had denied Christ at the most important moment in history, had been coward, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and he goes out and he changes the world. He steps forward with the 11 other apostles. Now, isn't it interesting? The people who didn't deny Christ were all there, but it was Peter who spoke out because God wanted Peter to do it. Why did God want Peter to do it? So we would understand the second we repent, we have power, and it comes to us. And it says, He shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. This is how we're supposed to be living. And they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds and spoke. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He preached a powerful message that the church of Christ bursted onto the scene because the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon him because he had repented. See, another thing that sabotages the power Let's say we have, we have lived in sin, we've made a confession, we've repented. Now what? The way you give away your power is to stay in guilt. Satan knows if after you've repented, he can get you to walk around feeling guilty every day for the thing that Jesus, listen, Jesus made, he knew we were going to be screw-ups. He knew what we were going to do. The blood of Jesus is so strong. It wipes away the sin immediately. As far as the east is from the west, he never remembers it again. We're not supposed to remember it again. But the second we focus on, again, our screw-ups, what I did wrong. By the way, we're back on big, fat me, right? Me, me, me. Again, what about the power of Jesus' blood? Every time we focus on our guilt, we're nullifying the sacrifice of Jesus to take it away. So we have the power of the blood of Jesus, but we walk around in guilt. And when we do, and when we do it takes away our power. We will be powerless because we're way too focused on ourselves. We're way too focused on our, on our failures. Sin is an evil, cruel taskmaster. It is so cruel. And when you, it's like a boyfriend, we've all had them, you know, that you just are, like, you've been in this bad relationship with, and you finally break up, and he's not going to let go. He is going to try to abuse you to the end, right? That's what sin is. It, it follows you. And once it knows it's lost you, Satan, once you've repented, sin has no power over you anymore. The power of sin is broken the second you repent. But you know what it knows? This, this mean, mean boyfriend of ours, sin, if it can get you in guilt, you may as well just be in sin. You've lost just as much power. He doesn't care. Satan doesn't care. If he can't have you in sin, he'll have you in guilt. Either way, you're not close to Jesus because when you look at Jesus, all you can see is your failure. How can you be close to somebody that all you think when they look at you, all they see is what you messed up? Who could be close to that person? Who could be close to that? Satan's like, well, I lost her. She's not doing that anymore, but oh, well, I don't care as long as she stays in guilt and shame. We know Peter didn't live in guilt and shame because a week earlier, the whole town knew that Peter had denied Christ from the maids to the, to the powerful officers. They all knew, right? Everybody knew the handmaiden who called them, the officers who were sitting around, they all knew. So, so Peter gets up and preaches to thousands of people who know about his failure the week before, but because he didn't live in guilt and shame, he got up there and changed the world. 
because he understood that when he repented, he was gone. And now the power of the Holy Spirit was living and operating through him, and he wasn't focused on himself. He was focused on them. Listen, he could have been like, I can't get John, you get up. John, you get up. You didn't screw up. I screwed up. You're more qualified. You get up there and do it. You should be doing it. No, that wasn't God's plan. And if Peter would have pushed John up, the guy who didn't mess anything up, he would have nullified the plan of God for us to understand the power of repentance and how instantly we are restored to power the second we repent if we will let go of the guilt as well. He did not, he didn't live in that. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stop being a slave. <laughs> live in power. He made you that way. It's his power in you. It's not what you've done or haven't done. It's not... If you messed up, okay, tell the Lord you're sorry. Gone. Now, instantly, go out and be powerful. Instantly. Instantly. I want to show you how powerful Peter became. They even carried their sick out in the streets and put them on cots and sleeping pads so that Peter came, when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them and they'd be healed. God honored his right heart with him so much that a shadow of Peter walking by would heal the sick. Now, Jesus said that we're going to do what he did in greater. There's not a woman in this room who shouldn't have that same power. That's not just for Peter. That's for every single one of us. I'm going to show you somebody else. I'm going to show you somebody else who really screwed up. Paul. No one screwed up worse than Paul, right? I mean, he tortured Christians, put them in jail, and helped murder them. Whatever you've done, you can't compete with Paul. But look at the power that God gave to Paul. It says God was doing extraordinary and unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or face towels or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Who was the most powerful in the kingdom of God? Really, of the apostles. Who do we hear about the most after Jesus was gone, left this earth? Peter and Paul. And they are the two biggest screw-ups. Because God wanted to make sure that we understood it was never about us. It was never about us. It was never about what we got right. It was never about what we got wrong. It was never. But we also have to understand there's a situation where we don't stay in that. Listen, Peter didn't go on denying Christ. And Paul didn't keep torturing Christians. They were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they changed the world. And that is what we're supposed to do. You know, there comes a time with each of us, we have to decide. We make a decision, and we say, I'm going to receive the forgiveness. I refuse to associate and, and, and connect with the guilt, and then we decide to act. We decide to act. We decide to get out of our little, you know, box and rush towards the darkness and make a difference. But here's my last point about what destroys, sabotages power, where you will give your power away. See, we believe God will do it for you, not for me. We, we really believe, so we have a belief that God is going to show up for them, just not for me. Let me just read this scripture. This scripture is so good. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth. He never grows weak. He never grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strengthens the powerless. How can we say that? God is like, you're offending me. How can you say I won't give power to you for your situation? I'm offended 
This is God being offended. He's offended. How can you say that about me? Don't you know I give power to the weak and the powerless? Whatever you're not able to do, I am showing up with the power. The more something matters to us, the less we're sure God can handle it. Just not for me. But what about your children? Oh, your son is sick. God can do it for your son. All of a sudden, it's my son. I'm falling apart, right? See, the more important it is for us, personally, the less faith we actually really have about it. For us. For us. By the way, when you have faith for somebody else but not for yourself, you're not authentic. No one believes you anyway. You're powerless. You can't even speak into their situation because they can tell. They can tell that you don't believe it for yourself. Because you're not going to be, if you don't believe it for yourself, you will not be powerful. I promise you. If you think that God can do it for her but not you, I prob- and that's why we get jealous, right? We get jealous because God's going to do it for her and not me. We get- it leads to all kinds of sin and pain. I love this scripture. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. I need you to believe. I need you to walk out of this room. I'm literally going to bar the doors. I would if I could. I just, you've got to walk out of this door today believing that the power of God is available for you in this moment with the political climate, in this moment with the protest, in this moment with the COVID, in this moment with whatever's breaking your heart, in this moment for your finances, in this moment for your relationships, whatever it is, you've got to, you've got to have the power of God to run towards it. You've got to. And when we expect little, we receive little. And that's a guarantee. I'm going to show you this is the the spiritual principle. When you expect little from God, you receive little, and here we have it. And because of their unbelief, he, Jesus, could not do any miracles. Wait, God couldn't do something? I didn't know that that was possible. How is it that, what, God can't do something? I don't believe, I thought God could do everything. Guess what he can't do? He died to pay for your sins. Bam. He made allowances for your weaknesses. Bam. But what he can't do, if you have such low expectations of him, you make it impossible for him to give you the miracle. It says that Jesus couldn't do something because of their unbelief, because they expected so little. He couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I don't want to amaze God in that way. Apparently, we can amaze God in some pretty spectacular ways. I want him to be amazed like he was with David when he ran towards Goliath. I want him to be amazed that I would, you know, he, we also see he was, he was amazed uh, when the centurion, the centurion said, you don't even have to come to my house, remember? He said, I know you're so powerful. You can heal right here. Just say the word. He said, I'm amazed. The woman whose daughter was demon-possessed, and she begged that Jesus would heal the, the daughter. She said, I'm amazed at your faith. So he can be amazed at our faith or our lack of faith. And here he's amazed at their lack of faith. I don't want to amaze God that way. Job, we all know the story of Job, went through torture, right? This man went through torture. I want to show you what his turning point was. Job 42, the last book, he says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job 42, 2. The second he said, I know that you can do everything and that no purposes of yours can be thwarted, breakthrough. He knew it for himself. Now, you would think after all the hell that man went through, he might not still, he might 
because he did lose it for a while, right? He did lose it for we we read the book of Job. He he did he did get shaky for a while, but the second he had high expectations of what God could do for him, breakthrough. And Romans four twenty one says, being fully convinced that God has the power what he to do what he has promised. When you leave today, I need you to be fully convinced that God can do what he promised. Here are some of the promises off the top of my head. All things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. By the way, not for everybody. There's a qualifier. To those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8:28. Or delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. I need you to believe, being fully convinced, that God has the power to do for you what he has promised. And if you can fully believe that, you will be powerful. You will change the world around you. You will not have to sit there wringing your hands. Not that we don't like what we see. We don't like it. We, the Bible says to hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So I'm not saying, but the point is, we're making a difference. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing what I can to change the world. Uh, you know, I'm just doing what I can. You know, I do. And every time God gives me a new opportunity, I'm like, thank you. I'll do it. Just, I just need you because I can't do it. I, but I'll do it because you're going to give it to me. I mean, you know, that's all you have to do. Here are the last two scriptures. We're closing up now. Tell everyone about God's power. His majesty shines down on Israel, which is the people of God. You are the modern-day Israel. His majesty shines down on you right here, right now. His strength is mighty in the heavens. God is awesome in his sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. I mean, that, that, that's all you need. Right there, that one right there. And here's the last one. Apostle Paul, he says a final word, my final word to you today. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Lord God, we thank you, God. Lord God, let your power be present right now, God. Lord, break off any chains that bind, any guilt, any shame, any sin, any giving power away to a person, a situation, putting our eyes back on you, God, believing you will do it for us. God, that you are faithful to your promise, and when we are weak, that's what your power works best. Holy Spirit, fill this place, God. Fill this place and seal what has been done, the words that have been spoken, Lord. Seal that in our hearts and minds right now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.